Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com and all of Roster Watch Nation, our pro community at RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, joined as always by Roster Watch managing partner and co-founder Byron Lambert. This is a week 13 edition of the podcast where we are transitioning to a DFS feature uh, here on the pod as opposed to the waiver wire feature we had done previously as we're getting into the uh, playoff run in fantasy football. We will still, of course, have the waiver wire cheat sheet products uh, up at rosterwatch.com, but uh, a lot of our followers and a lot of our users and a lot of our subscribers um, become a little bit more interested during this time of season in DFS as the player pool in our playoff leagues is going to um, is going to fall, and we are not faced with as tough decisions when it comes to waivers without you know twelve or uh, thirteen other, or I guess eleven to thirteen other players also uh, fighting for those same players on waivers. So we're still at rosterwatch.com, still have all that premium content available for you guys. But moving to a DFS focus here on the pod to end out the season and uh, get into the NFL draft stuff. So. Byron, a big week 13. It's a monster slate. We'll be going over the, the uh, DraftKings slate here, which does not include Sunday night football or the uh, Monday night game. What are your initial thoughts? How do you want we've, – we've never done a DFS podcast. How do you want to organize this thing and, and move forward with it? Man, it's a big, burly slate. You know, we've been yeah. coming off of all the buys or, you know, have expired. And then last week we – the slate was a little smaller because of the Thanksgiving games. And now we're back to just one big monstrous burly slate. And my initial take is it's hard. It's a lot to sort through. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to digest. So my go-to move in this scenario is to dissect the big slate into the smaller slates and start mapping out my impressions, my strategies, my questions from there the concepts, the ideas that are going to bring me to my natural decision points that are going to ultimately bring clarity and some intuition to my builds and my lineups. So for the sake of this pod, I just took some notes on my initial set of questions for both the AM and the PM slate uh, on Sunday. All right. So let's start out with the AM slate. I'll get a, I'll get a, um, I'll get a contest pulled up here for the AM slate to make sure I'm not talking about any of the afternoon guys, and let's just get going with it. Okay, so the big question for me to start the AM slate 
is am I going to roll with Tom Brady or am I going to pay down for a Josh McCown, a Blake Bortles, or a Tyrod Taylor? Yeah, it's a big question because it's going to affect your entire build. And you also think about, you know, if you're going to want to get in Tom Brady. Here's 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 my thing. At 7,800, Tom Brady, he's the, mo- he's the most expensive quarterback on the entire slate or on the entire DraftKings main slate, right? And as I'm looking, we now, of course, you guys can find all of our premium DFS content at rosterwatch.com. I'm looking now at the um, at the CSV file sent over by our uh, by our analytics director, Mike Band, that is the first version of this week's DraftKings cheat sheet. A few of the guys that you mentioned, of course, are on the actual cheat sheet. The guy who did not make it on that I'm very interested in, of course, is Blake Bortles at home. Um, I love the idea of getting Marquise Lee this week, maybe at a little bit lower ownership than we saw uh, previously because, one, he I think he's got a big Q by his name here in the player pool. Does Marquise Lee love that Q by his name? Let me see. He's at 5,200, right? Uh, Marquise Lee. Yeah, has a Q by his name that is going to drive people off. Uh, they could look at the game logs from last week. That's what I think. I think, I think a lot of uh, – even some advanced players are really going to be in love with D.D. Westbrook's 10 targets from last week. To me, I look at this thing and I see that was a product of Patrick Peterson being on Marquise Lee, like white on rice. What do we always do? And we're going to get into a situation at some point that's the same situation that we've talked about these last three weeks with Bruce Ellington in one uh, versus the Cardinals in one week. And then last week with D.D. Westbrook versus the Cardinals. We're going to have to talk about it with Josh Reynolds versus the Cardinals if he's healthy this week. But Marquise Lee was on the bad side of that matchup going against Patrick Peterson. I don't think many people are going to be on him, so I'm interested in a Blake Bortles to Marquise Lee stack. I'm interested in a Blake Bortles to D.D. Westbrook stack. I'm interested in possibly making a double stack there. My only problem is from the Indianapolis side, I don't know who to bring it back with outside of maybe a Jack Doyle. So I was kind of relieved to see that Blake Bortles didn't make the final version of the cheat sheet because I wasn't sure how I was going to handle that. Now with... Uh, you talked. You, you you mentioned the tie god, and then you also mentioned uh, who Josh else? McCown. Okay, so Josh McCown. Uh, what are your thoughts on those guys? What do you think realistic upside is for those guys? Just I, I yeah. Tom Brady has been good in his career versus Buffalo, and I've heard some other people talk about it this week. But we also can't forget that Rob Gronkowski. This is a hometown game for him, and if you look at his splits in Buffalo. It's been a it's been a monster. I'll see if I can I'll I'll, I'll see if I can get them pulled up so I can tell you uh, exactly what his uh, splits are there in the Buffalo games. But Gronk uh, has, if you just look back over the last few years, it's been really big games there. But here's the thing: I I've been finding it impossible to be able to get Gronkowski and Tom Brady into the same lineup. You like Brandon Cooks, too. I mean, is, is there enough value on the slate to be able to stack up stack up these, these these Patriots along with Tom Brady and still be able to get players that you find in any way reasonable? Well, that's a good way to reverse engineer this thing of whether you want to start with Brady or not at your quarterback situation. We'll have to delve in more to it. I mean, it sure does feel like Gronk has been thinking about doing the Frankenstein a little bit more lately. It also... 
Look, we've got some of this supercharged scoring and pricing data on the season that we're putting into our inputs for all of the DFS products here down the stretch. Put this thing over the top for Roster Watch Nation. And when you look at it, it also feels like Gronk's price point last week might have been the time. Uh, he's a little more expensive this week, so I, well, it was the time. Certain- and we said, and we said it on the we said it on the Sirius XM show. We were one of the there was a caller, I believe, that was giving us some trouble for not um, not not having Travis Kelsey on the cheat sheet. And we just said, look, man, we got to trust our analytics. And our analytics this week are pointing towards a cheaper Gronk. And it was the good call. It was the right call. So I've just calculated medians for all the quarterbacks in the league. Let's talk about the guys we're discussing right now. Tom Brady on the season, 21 points per game and a 20.5-point median. Josh McCown is essentially 16 points per game and a 16-point median. Tyrod is right there with him. Tyrod's median is actually almost two points higher than his average. His median is nearly 17 points. And Blake Bortles is basically a 13 or 14 point guy on the season. So is maybe Tyrod Taylor on the other side of that matchup across the field from Tom Brady is the sneaky play. Who knows? That'll be interesting to dissect. I noticed you didn't put him on your list of recommendations this week, Alex, and I, I was—I figured you had some, probably some pretty good logic for that. Well, I just figured, for one, I feel like the New England defense is coming. I feel like that they're coming out of that horrible funk that was um, that was kind of their bugaboo to start the season, right? I think that. Um, I think that they're turning into a little bit better of a unit now. I also think that I saw, and I'll have to look it up, but I think that I saw that when looking back at Tyrod versus New England during the time that he has been there in in Buffalo, I wasn't sure exactly, you know, if 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 he had, you know, if if those games were games that I was interested in, kind of him, him recreating for me this week. But I will say this, man. Um, I'm looking over it right now, the quarterback stats against New England this year. And you got to remember the built-in rushing floor that Tyrod has. And you see the other guys that have kind of – even some of these guys you don't consider to have built-in rushing floors. Like Matt Ryan rushed for 37 yards on these idiots. Josh McCown rushed for 21. Uh, Jameis for 11. Cam Newton for 44. And Deshaun Watson for 41 yards. So these guys have been rushed on this year. Um, actually, as far as the total, let me just see what the total rushing yards where they rank this season. Um, as far as total rushing yards allowed, it's it's a top ten matchup for total rushing yards allowed to opposing quarterbacks. So I think that there's is some uh, built-in upside there for Tyrod as far as his feet. I think you can probably on DraftKings scoring probably just pencil him in for a whole additional touchdown based on that rushing floor alone. Uh, passing touchdown, I, I, I mean, of course, which is equivalent, of course, to 40 rushing yards. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of like it, and I think maybe it's an interesting way to... Buy into that game with yeah. the highest over-under on the week. Right. And That's you, worth noting that this is the highest over-under contest of the week, which is one of the ways we always begin our DFS process. What, is it, talking about the splits, if you look... Uh, if you look and going back to 20, 2014 for Gronk, 
the games in Buffalo. He averages in PPR nearly 21 um, to fantasy points per game, whereas uh, out of that split, his his average is 15.88. So he goes. I mean, he goes big whenever he's uh, at home or you know going going back home to Buffalo, playing in away games for the Patriots, but going. Uh, back to his hometown of Buffalo. He, he's had big games there over the last uh, four years, so uh, something to keep in mind. Actually, even, even if we go back further, take when was Gronk a rookie? Twenty Was that 2011? Let's see. Let's just go back to 2012. I think it was 2010. Okay. Going back – all right, just well, going, going back to, to 2011, uh, the splits are 21 points per game even in Buffalo. Uh, splits away from Buffalo, 16.38 points. So, uh, yeah. Oh, and his receiving yards split uh, going back to 2012, 105 yards uh, per game in those contests in Buffalo, whereas in, the, in all 62 other contests, averaging 72.63 yards. So well, maybe definitely, that's a, gir- definitely a big, big, big split there for Gronk. Um, he's just – it's just if, – if I'm getting Brady in, I'm getting in Gronk. And when you do that – let me just get them both in and just see what it does for your remaining salary per player. But something tells me, yeah, you're left with forty nine eighty five per player from there. And there is some value to be had here on this slate, and and we'll get into it. But that's just you know that's that's my concern because what I could do is I could just get in, you know, one of the best correlations in all of DFS is opposing quarterbacks. So if we are thinking that Tom Brady's going to have a big game. You know, the natural correlation would say it's a big game for Tyrod. I wonder if you can get in Tyrod, get in Gronk, and then you get in, and then you get in Brandon Cooks or something like that. Yeah, and that's what, I, that's what I was thinking. This might be the way to get in Cooks and Gronk is the is it's the, might be the creative way to do it is with Tyrod. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then as far as McCown, are you interested in pairing him? Let me see what our analytics say. Uh, are you interested in pairing him up at all? With, um, with any like any Jermaine Curse, any Robbie Anderson. I mean, th- here's the thing about the Chiefs. There's a this is a game at home, and there that Chiefs defense has been so bad. And there's a lot of ways to beat them. This game. Let me just look at the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com. Uh, the Jets come into this game as at three and a half point underdogs. So probably, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, coming in as underdogs in a 44 uh, over-under in a week where the highest over-under is only 48.5. So it's not like a week of of monster over-unders. But this is our number 13 matchup for opposing quarterbacks, our number seven matchup for opposing tight ends. Um, I I like ASJ. I like Robbie Anderson. I'm not sure how much I really like Jermaine Curse. (laughs) You know, it's just... You don't ever feel too good clicking his name, but Robbie Anderson has seen a big spike as far as his pricing. What? How are you looking to? How are you looking to handle that one? And are, you know, if you do get Josh McCown, are you running him out there? You know, running him out there naked without any players attached? Or are you interested in, in maybe getting a Robbie Anderson in there? I think Anderson and ASJ are both interesting. Anderson has finally gotten a little more expensive than you would have liked, but I mean, his production warrants it. And if he keeps doing what he's doing, this pricing's just fine. Uh, yeah, I think McCown is, if you put together the rest of a roster you really like, and you end up in a bind money-wise with your quarterback, I, I, McCown out, out naked uh, in, in New Jersey is just fine. I'm looking right now just to see, and 
I I mean, here's the thing. At home versus New England in 2015, I'm, I'm going back to Tyrod real quickly because I just wanted to check. At home versus New England in 2015, he put up a 34-burger. <laughs> so, and then last year, you know, I think what I took away from last year is it looks like he, oh, no, he got up to, to so he got 20 points at home. He, he got 20 at home versus them. And 19.1 whenever he was at New England. So uh, the only bad game that he's had versus New England in going back to 2014 was the game uh, at New England in week 11 of 2015. And he had an 11.8 pointer in that one. Only 55.6% completion percentage in that game. And absolutely no rushing only four attempts for one yard in that one so I don't I don't know what happened in that game but it looks like in uh, three out of four at least going back to 2015 you have a pretty solid floor out of him uh, median scoring of somewhere uh, actually median scoring of exact like 19.95 points 20 point median so I think that it's I think that it's okay. I, and it, like I said, the correlation, if we're expecting a big game out of Tom Brady, the correlation says we're going to get a big game out of Tyrod Taylor. One of the strongest correlations in all of fantasy football. I think, it, I think for some teams, it's stronger than the correlation between a quarterback and his, wide, and his number one wide receiver is the correlation between a quarterback and the quarterback that he opposes. Well, that's good stuff. Definitely, definitely going to shape – your build in the morning slate, in the AM slate, whether you're going to roll with Brady or whether you're going to get tricky and go with a Tyrod or a McCown. I'm, you know, I see where you're coming from on Bortles. I think the more you examine that situation, the more he falls to the bottom of that list. And it's going to be harder to put in lineups with him, but certainly also a creative idea. Uh, the next question I had for the AM slate, Alex. Let me just say this. Uh, across the entire league, the correlation between a quarterback and his wide receiver one is the strongest correlation in fantasy, uh, of uh, the strongest correlation in DFS, of course, between two players at .45. The correlation between the quarterback and the opposing quarterback is the second strongest at .42. All right. Anyway, that the, the, so – it's a stronger correlation between a quarterback and his opposing quarterback than it is a quarterback in and his wide receiver too. And it is more, uh, it, it is a more, uh, it's a stronger uh, correlation than a quarterback in his tight end one is the quarterback and the opposing. So if we think that it's going to be a big game for Tom Brady, we have to consider Tyrod. I think that that's what, that's the main conclusion I've come to during this portion of our conversation. And if we're looking at the early slate, I, I think it makes a lot of sense to get him in. He is a player that our analytics have pointed to, and he will be included on the, the DFS cheat sheets and hyper DFS lineup generator available to our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com for this weekend's slate of action. Well, before we move on, I'll tell you, I think there's one more way you can flip that that build on its head, and I think that's by you can put in Tom Brady and Brandon Cooks, and if you can't afford Gronk, I told you guys last week that I thought last week you could begin to start playing Charles Clay. That started to manifest. I know, and, but don't you think that I think that something in me says that Belichick loves Charles Clay and he's going to take him away? Something tells me that Belichick takes away Charles Clay. He loves that's him. Very, he loves him. Yes, but that's also very anecdotal form of rationale. Well, 
I mean, who else is Belichick going to take away? I don't think it's anecdotal to say that he's going to take away. Maybe you know, LaShawn McCoy. Maybe LaShawn McCoy, yeah. But, I mean, how do you take away LaShawn McCoy? Just put a spy on him the whole time? And if you put a spy on him the whole I guess if you put a spy on him the whole time, that would open things up for a Charles Clay over the middle of the field, assuming that that spy was a Mike. Let's see, LaShawn McCoy... At New England, 16.8 points last season. Uh, did he have – was he healthy for the game at home versus New England? Doesn't look like he played at home versus New England in 2016. In New England in 2015, 11.6-pointer uh, at home. At New England, an 18.3-pointer. So he's been – He's he's not been the, the the most effective. That could be that could be the case. I just I'd like to see Charles Clay last year if he was healthy for either of the New England games, uh, if he had down games in those because it just seems like such a Belichick thing to do to try and take away Clay. A ten know, pointer in PPR for Clay last week. Um, last year versus New England, he had a four point seven pointer and a zero point six pointer. I knew it. Yeah, I'm. I think that he's 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 never had. Even when he was back in Miami, they he took him. I I know he he, he took Clay away when 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 he was in Miami. Um, but even in Miami, he only had a one point four pointer. The most he's ever had going back to twenty fifteen against New England is a seven point nine pointer. So, um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not terribly. Oh wait, that was in standard. Let me just look at PPR. Uh, Alex will be texting me on Sunday when Charles Clay scores a touchdown. 9.7, 2.6, and um, yeah, I, I hope not. 12.3 and uh, 2.4. So I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm not interested in Charles Clay. He didn't make it on the cheat sheet, thankfully. I, if, if, if I'm paying down, what is his price? 4100 if I'm paying down to the to that 4K range, I'm I'm more comfortable with Austin Safarian Jenkins in an absolute plum matchup, according to the Roster Watch matchup tool. Fair enough. The next question that you're presented with when examining the this week's AM slate, the early slate, uh, the noon slate, is: Are Jordan Howard and Kenyon Drake are they chalk, or are those guys we need to consider fading? Well, I'd like to ask you, how do you feel about the idea of Jordan Howard on DraftKings? You know, I mean, it seems like there have been games this season where I've used him and I've gotten burned because if he doesn't get a touchdown, uh, you know, he just he, – he, he presents so little on the receiving end of the spectrum, especially now that they're getting Tariq Cohen a little bit more involved. With that being said – I think he's going to be pretty chalky. I think he's probably going to be in the in the in the you know middling dollar tournaments, the the millionaire maker, and um, you know the thirty three dollar three entry max, the the uh, the fifty dollar bootleg. Some of those, I think he's going to be between fifteen and twenty percent owned. I think. Do you think that's about right? I mean, he's going against San Francisco. The matchup couldn't be any better. We know he has tremendous upside. His pricing is his pricing is good. And yeah, six point five k. I mean, people are going to look at the matchup. Um, do you think people are going to be scared off at all? Just looking at his game log and just seeing last week he only got like seven carries because that game got so so 
out of out of whack, you know, as far as game script for running the football, something that we saw coming. Well, I think there will be a bunch of auto-generated lineups that have them in there, and then I, I'm I'm not sure that all players go back and get maniacal and look at game logs. No, I I think a ton of well, I, no, just right there in the right there in the DraftKings app, you click on their name and look at the look at the game log. I think everybody does that. I think it depends on what level stakes you're playing. Yeah, uh, I to me honestly, I think it's one of the most amateur things to do. Like. I think the biggest fish and the biggest donkeys, what they do is they get in there and they kind of click on those game logs and sort of depend on them. You know, so I, I, I mean, I think even at the low stakes, you're gonna have you're gonna have game log watchers. They click on Jordan Howard's name, click on his game log, and see he scored three point nine points last week versus Green Bay. He only scored five point four points. You know, but in between that, he had the twenty one point five pointer at Detroit. But, you know, let's just look and see what we have here through this new data, this new set of data that we have. I mean, he has a 12.65 point median on DraftKings, a 13.42 point average, and he's 3x that salary, 27.27, you know, 27.27% of the time. You know, he's 3x just as often based on this week's salary as Le'Veon Bell's 3x based on this week's salary. Just as often as Melvin Gordon's 3x based on this week's salary. Um, just as often as Kareem Hunt is 3x or, you know, Lamar Miller is 3x based on this week's salary. So I think it's I think it's okay. I think that, you know, when he's facing the number three matchup of the week, he's only 6,500. You have to think about it. But I, I feel... I just I feel like for him to help win you a tournament, or for for him to even be a be a piece that you don't have to overcome to even cash in a tournament, I think he's got to get in the end zone. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that we're we're really only interested in Jordan Howard if it looks like his ownership percentages are going to be on the low side, and I'm not sure they're going to be. Well, so that's something we need to monitor. What about Kenyon Drake? Because I think it's going to be a similar situation for, for potentially different reasons. Well, but I think with Kenyon Drake, it's a different situation because he's only forty nine hundred, and I think you can be. I think you and I think you can chalk up similar volume, not because the Dolphins are in any way committed to running the football with him the same way that the Bears are committed to running the football with Jordan Howard. I just I don't I don't think the Dolphins have anybody else. They have Sonoris Perry, right? That's it. I mean, they don't have anybody else. So they're going to have to use Kenyon Drake. It's also Kenyon Drake. Yeah, and it's, it's also, also Kenyon Drake in a, in, a, in a week, a bunch of people might own him. It's also Kenyon Drake versus versus Denver. But here's the thing. I think last week I felt shitty about going with Joe Mixon at only 4,400 because he was going in a tough matchup against the Cleveland Browns. Joe Mixon, I know that Joe Mixon – is a much more talented player than Kenyon Drake. All of our evaluations have told us that. All of our offseason work, everything that the maniacal, the maniacal. I mean, whenever we talk about this shit, when we say like a guy sucks or a guy's really good or whatever, when we're talking about Kenyon Drake, that's because we have taken our ass to his practices. We've seen him. We have se- we've seen Joe Mixon. We've been up close to him. We've reached into their shoulder pads and pulled out nasty, fucking sweaty, like analytic devices where we've taken data for all of roster watch nation. And so, I mean, I understand what you're saying about Kenya Drake. I, I find it hard to trust him, but for 4,900, he's going to get 20 touches. And I don't think that that Denver defense has been quite, quite as good. 
And I think that the game script, I think that the, I think with, with Trevor Simeon coming back, and that's another thing. Our, our analytics this week, I know you didn't put him as a recommendation for one of the players that you would like to add uh, a, a, a trend in on, on our models, but one guy that I did who ended up on the cheat sheet, he would have been on the cheat sheet without me even adding that trend, was is, is Demarius Thomas. And I think that Trevor Simeon being back helps kind of – I think it, I, I think that that offense going up against this putrid Miami defense is going to get some things going. And I think that it's going to put this Miami offense in a mode where they're going to have to throw that football out of the backfield to Kenyon Drake. I think he's going to have a good floor based on PPR volume. And I think regardless of how much we think he sucks, I think he still does have the the speed and the explosiveness to, if he does kind of get away on one, he can go the distance. And So, so if Kenyon we, Drake has high ownership, you're in on him? I think that Kenyon Drake is going to, on the whole entire, like over the entirety of the slate, I know we're breaking this up for, you know, for just kind of breaking it down purposes into the too many slates, but I think on the whole entire slate, I think he's going to be fairly high owned. And I think he, I think he deserves to be. I think the only player who's going to be probably higher owned than Kenyon Drake will be Jamal Williams. If, if, um, it, you know, and that's just, that's just due to pricing and that's due to volume. And I think that that's how bills are going to come together this week with people paying down at the running back position as opposed to what we've seen in previous weeks where people feel like they just have to pay up. I just think that we haven't even talked about it yet, but, you know, Alvin Kamara now up at, you know, the most expensive running back on all of DraftKings. No one's going to want to pay up for a 13-touch-per-week guy. It's just you're not going to do it. Um, Gurley's a reasonable option to pay up for, but you just have you have all these other – you have all these other options in this mid-range. You have the Jordan Howards. You have the Carlos Hydes. You have the New England Patriots guys. You have Jamal Williams, Kenyon Drake. You know, I just think we're going to see a lot of concentrated ownership in the, you know, with those guys within that price range. So um, I think maybe, you know, with that being said, I guess as I'm saying that, maybe a good way to kind of make a differentiated lineup or a lineup that's a little bit contrarian is maybe this week to pay up a little bit at, at, at running back. Do what you've been doing mainly this this season. I think this week that's going to give you a little bit different look. So uh, I guess that's a long way of answering your question um, by saying I don't feel completely comfortable going with Kenyon Drake knowing that he's going to be one of the higher-owned players on this slate. With that being said, I wasn't completely comfortable going with Joe Mixon last week, knowing he was going to be one of the higher-owned players on that slate. But I think that the volume trumps all. It, is, it isn't like going with Corey Davis last week, right? Wherever he was chalk, wherever it wasn't like chalk when you think he's going to get 20 touches. I, I, yeah, think, I, think, that would, I think that I think that Kenyon Drake, for me, is going to be kind of like this week's Mixon, where I feel gross, a little bit gross about it, where I don't feel that comfortable with it. But I feel like for sub five k, twenty touches and a good receiving floor in a game that sets up well because the defense is just so bad. I mean, I'm I'm gonna have interest in, in, in Kenyon Drake, yes, in both cash and and in tournaments. Sounds like we'll need to wait and see what Las Vegas has to say about Jordan Howard and Kenyon Drake as the Vegas props uh, flow in for our pro subscribers starting on Saturday on. All the DFS players in the league. Okay, Alex, in the early slate, are we going to chase Julio Jones' points or are we going to look at to uh, save a little money and go with guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, or possibly Mike Evans with a Jameis Winston return? 
That's absolutely not even a question for me. I'm not chasing shit. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? I, no, I, I, I want my... Or who who is it? Who who do we get against that same defense? Do we do we get Devontae Adams? Give me Devontae Adams for how you know what two thousand cheaper? Oh, well, Adams was certainly on my list of trends and uh, recommendations. Yes, give me week. Devontae Adams. Give me give me uh, on the other side of that game. Give me Devontae Adams and let me run it back with Mike Evans with Jameis coming back against that putrid Green Bay secondary. You know, I mean, uh, let's let's. You know, let's take Brett Hundley's best option, his favorite option, Devontae Adams, who's been a he's been better with Brett Hundley than he was with Aaron Rodgers. You know, give me that guy against that defense that let Julio do it to him last week. I don't want Julio against Xavier Rhodes. I'm not gonna yeah, pay I'm, up for that matchup. I'm not gonna have any Julio Jones this week. I actually think too, if you're looking to that Tampa Bay Green Bay game. Uh, the sneaky move is to maybe come off of Mike Evans and look to Deshaun Jackson, who's performed pretty well this season at this price point. So, and DeAndre uh, Hopkins this year is as he's uh, just a monster, and he be, and, and he beasts against Tennessee. Yeah, he's a monster. You realize you you have you quickly realize and are reminded with any halfway decent quarterback play that he's certainly in that discussion as. Kind of one B, but don't behind Antonio Brown in this league. We, I mean, it's a yeah, yeah, no, no. We, he's he's yeah. too damn good, man. He's just, well, he's he he has the best hands in the league, and he's just he's sick, man. He's too sick, and you know he he gets he get just his 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 volume is absolutely through the through the roof and it's just man deandre hopkins has been just amazing uh just with crap quarterback after crap quarterback still just i mean uh, uh just right there 11.4 targets per game 1.24 fantasy points per target he's averaging over six receptions uh per per game a little bit t- touchdown dependent 34.97 percent but not too touchdown dependent just his his median scoring on DraftKings is the best of any wide receiver on this slate. Can I mean his 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 his, his, med- his, his average is a little bit under An- Antonio Brown's, but his median is better than Antonio Brown's. He has the, he's he has the same three x percentage at this week's price uh, as Antonio Brown does have at this week's price at thirty six point three six percent of of outings. He has three x his uh, seventy three. That's the other thing seventy three hundred dollars. Versus Tennessee Titans and Adore Jackson, and I have to pay if I wanted to pay play play the all week slate. I have to pay twenty five hundred more than that for Antonio Brown. No, he's a thousand cheaper than Keenan Allen. He's thirteen hundred cheaper than Julio Jones, who's going against Xavier Rhodes. I I love DeAndre Hopkins, and I here's the thing: the more I talk about this stuff, the more and more I'm realizing that. It's going to be a pay down at running back week, and that's probably what everybody's going to do on this slate. If Aaron Jones stays hurt, it's going to be a Jamal Williams and a Kenyon Drake or a or a Deion Lewis or a Rex Burkhead, and then fit in DeAndre Hopkins, fit in your Mike Evans. Fit Don't in forget your- Peyton Peyton Barber, and some idiots are going to be running out Jaquiz Rogers too. Yeah, so yeah, don't forget about the the uh, Tampa Bay value. So yeah, I mean, I just I think that that's kind of the way that the, the standard optimal build is going to look this week. I think in cash is fine. I think in tournaments it's, it's probably fine. But I think if you want to take a contrarian approach, I think you could take a contrarian approach this week without taking contrarian. You know, typically 
contrarian players because via via your build, I think that your build, if you pay up at the runners, if you pay up for Gurley, you know, maybe pay up for a Mark Ingram or, you know, I just, a, a Camara, something like that, a Leonard Fournette. I think that that's going to automatically put you on a build that's going to be vastly different uh, than for, for, from what most of your opponents are going to be putting out there. Right there in that Tennessee-Houston game, the tight end that I've really zeroed in on the AM slate, the same way that I did last week, is a much cheaper Delaney Walker than somebody like Gronk. We broke down our feelings on Gronk and Charles Clay in the high over-under game in this slate. To me, it looks like Delaney Walker and potentially Julius Thomas are the other tight end plays in the in the early slate, Alex. For me, I have Delaney Walker uh, right in my crosshairs. Uh, where are you on that? Uh, I'm more certainly yes. I'm very interested in Delaney Walker. Um, I think he finally got in the end zone last week, right? Yeah, he looks good, man. Mm, his first his first non rushing touchdown of the season last week, and boy, I, I, at the very beginning, he 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 sure scared a lot of people on the like second play second like uh, play of that first or first or second offensive drive when they were getting close down in the red zone. Whenever he was right, you know, on the sidelines down there writhing in pain, I thought he was surely out. Um, I think led that, the team with five targets last week. Not not a huge volume, but still led the team in receiving targets. Looked like a seventy four percent snap count. Mm-hmm. Uh, right at the top for, let for me, receivers. Let me ask you. Or I'll, I'll just look here to see if either of these guys I'm thinking of are on the early slate or not, because there are a few players who I'm certainly interested in that we haven't discussed. Um. No, it doesn't look like it. I mean, you know, we we, we talked a little bit about Safarian Jenkins already. I think he needs to be in consideration. And uh, Jack Doyle always has to be in consideration. If, it, you know, if Indy's going to get anything done versus Jacksonville, we've seen the teams have been able to do it via the tight end. Heck, we even saw last week, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones uh, versus these Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's not a... It's been a common occurrence because they're just so hard to throw on through the perimeter. We know that Jack Doyle is Jacoby Brissett's favorite target anyway, but at 5,200, I think I'm just going to be looking for ways to, you know, find that extra 400 in salary space and get up to Delaney Walker. That's what I mean. That's why I ruled those guys out. I mean, am I going to pay 5,200 for Doyle? Maybe that's a contrarian play, but it just feels like at that price point, Delaney Walker's the guy on the slate. I think it's a good point about Austin Safari and Jenkins as well. Uh, if you're looking down at that four thousand dollar range, I there. think that I think that Delaney Walker is probably going to. Be, I think that Delaney Walker will be much more owned than Jack Doyle. I think Jack Doyle might see see single digit ownership this week. I'm not sure people are comfortable paying five point. Well, how, how much how much better do you like ASJ than Julius Thomas? Because it was that price difference was the reason that I put Julius Thomas I never, in my notes. I, I never feel comfortable playing Julius Thomas. I guess it's kind of a it's kind of a bit of revenge though, right? Denver. I mean, it's kind of some revenge. Let's see what he's. I mean, if Julius Thomas, if you've been watching the games, has been. Getting opportunities. I agree. I just I mean, I, six I just, targets, six targets for 52 yards last week. I know they've been throwing it to him around the end zone a little bit. He's had 70 and 80 percent snap yeah, counts. And you know, I, I think that in uh, if you think about what's going to happen with Jarvis, because uh, the, and this is another reason I like Kenyon Drake out of the backfield, is I think that they're going to move Chris Harris down into the slot to guard Jarvis, right? So no keep to leave in this game. 
right? Right? Or did he get a suspension? No, he got a suspension reduced. He's still out, though. So yes. what they're going to do is they're going to take Chris Harris, who's awesome in the slot and who loves playing the slot, and put him on Jarvis. I think that's going to open things. My, my line of thinking was that was going to open things up for a Kenyon Drake as the kind of low eight-out target guy. But, you know, giving credit to your thoughts on, on Julius, it could open things up for Julius Thomas, too. I think it absolutely could. I don't love him, though. I hate putting Julius Thomas in, in my lineups. <laughs> I just hate it. Um, but I get it. I'm not going to do How it. How much is Kenny Stills it. this week? Let me see here. Kenny Stills at 4,700. Parker at... Devontae Parker at 45. So we've always liked Stills in these situations just because Devontae he's... Devontae Parker's 45? 4,500. So that's, that's going to, that's, that's the, I mean, play. Bradley, Ro, Bradley Roby's no chump, but if it's going to be Roby to have to deal with Stills and Parker, I want the guy who's cheaper. And if it's close, I mean, we love Kenny Stills, but you know, Parker still hasn't had that breakout game and the, in, you guys have seen the flashes. He's, he's the freak out there for them. So Stills or Parker are interesting. And this is when Parker, a week where Parker's the cheapest Dolphins receiver, a time mm. I can finally have have a little bit of renewed interest in him in, in DraftKings. I don't I don't have our new data set pulled up that 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 we um started integrating into our tools this week that has the pricing history on these guys, but that's got to be his lowest price of the season. I'd say it's it's got to be um at 4500. I mean, uh, De, uh Devontae Parker's a guy that we've seen in some weeks. I can remember off the top of my head one week he was 6200. So, um Certainly interested in certainly interested in seeing how that yeah, that's, plays that's out. That's by like far a, that's got by far as cheapest pricing. We could pull that up here in a second if we want. Uh, you want to move on to the afternoon slate, Alex, where it gets. Let, a, let me make sure that there's nothing we've forgotten here on the morning slate. Um, oh, but I just I already touched on 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 the Marquise Lee, D.D. Westbrook things, right? Like what I, yes. what I thought about that. Uh, let's just see what else here. Um, I think that a, a, a defense that did not make our uh, cheat sheet this week and did not make our tools that I'm interested in is a pay down defense in a week where it's hard to pay down is the Baltimore Ravens who are um, top five in adjusted sack rate going against that Detroit Lions um, offensive line at home, which per pro football focus has allowed the most um, pressure situations via quarterback hits, quarterback hurries, and sacks of any offensive line in the entire league. Uh, also, the Baltimore defense, you know, much better splits at home than, than they do on the road. I think that Matthew Stafford is a quarterback that is certainly capable of of of, imp, of imploding at any given time, even though he's looked better this year. So with the Baltimore Ravens averaging 15.6 points per uh, game, uh, at home this year with that defensive line, um, uh, offensive line matchup as far as getting to the quarterback in passing situations, just with the sheer number of dropbacks that we're going to see in this game due to the fact that, one, Amir Abdul is banged up. For two, even if he was not banged up, they wouldn't be able to get that run game going versus the, Brandon, the brick wall that is Brandon Williams and that Ravens uh, defensive front. I think that these Baltimore Ravens are going to have ample opportunity to possibly tee, tee off on Matthew Stafford. 
Uh, the more and more I'm talking about it, the more and more I'm thinking about just maybe forcing them onto the cheat sheet as a, as, as a cheap option there at 3100 Just a really, really major savings off the, uh, t you know, golly, Jacksonville on this latest 4500 So um, Baltimore Ravens, one to keep in mind and one that I'm going to think about <laughs> taking a executive ownership uh, over the cheat sheet and um, – making sure to get added on, even though their trends fell a little bit short as far as our, our analytics. But yeah, other than that, I think that I don't have any, you know, glaring takes about this early morning slate. Um, yeah, you never, you always got to be cautious about bastardizing the sheet. Looks like Devontae Parker has been between 5,400 and 6,700 most of the season. Yeah. So by far his cheapest pricing. I, I just pulled up the data. Okay. Yeah. So what's the cheapest he's been? The cheapest he's been prior to previously. That was yeah. Fifty four hundred. Yeah. It's a major discount on on a player that no one's going to be thinking of, you know, for sure. So let's see. Let's go to the afternoon slate here, and let me pull up a contest. And we can look at what we're looking at here. And we can, if you'd like, we can just go through, you know, the decisions that you're feeling like you're having to come to when um, assembling lineups for this uh, four-game slate. These games yeah. are uh, Cleveland at the Los Angeles Chargers, Carolina at the New Orleans Saints, uh, Rams at the Arizona Cardinals, and Geno Smith's New York Jets. And what a fucking mess that was. I have a rant about that. All right, uh, let's go at, for at, it. At, at the Oakland Raiders. So the first decision you're faced with is, are you going to ride with or are you going to fade Phillip Rivers this week? Ride with. Pretty simple. If I can, yeah. If I can, yeah. Well, that brings a lot of clarity to your build in the afternoon slate. What it also tells what it also tells me when I zoom out to the entire slate is now the guys I'm primarily interested in are Brady, Rivers, Tyrod and Josh McCown. Any, I mean that great that greatly simplifies things. Any interest at all in the 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 future of the Arizona Cardinals franchise, Blaine Gabbert? I haven't gotten that far. I mean, he's been <laughs> you haven't scrolled that I haven't far. Haven't gotten down. that far. <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm just kind of just kind of wondering if that's a so game you're, that, I don't know. But you're with Philip Rivers in the afternoon slate. That's I, just who you're riding with. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm not going to, you know, we'll need to keep an eye on the statuses of Marshawn Lattimore and uh, Ken, Ken Crawley for the New Orleans Saints, the corners of the New Orleans Saints. I think without those guys, I think that Cam Newton comes into play down down there at the Superdome. I really do. But I, from from everything that I've seen, and, we, and we're recording this on Friday morning before we get the cheat sheets uh, and the premium DFS products like Hyper DFS up for our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. Everything I've seen is that I think Marshawn Lattimore at least has returned to practice and looking like he's going to go. If those guys are going to go, that defense has been pretty good at home, you know, and Cam Newton is, uh, you know, while he's been looking, you know, I guess looking a little bit better in spurts, he's been that the, the arsenal, I think we just saw last week, you know, that arsenal has been pretty – Pretty depleted, and the um, and the volumes down as far as his his throwing. Now I will say that the that that the rushing has been fantastic 
going back to week eight, I mean, maybe even back to further. No, going back to week six, it's been 71 yards, 50 yards, 44 yards, 86 yards, 95 yards, and then last week, 28 yards. So, I mean, the the, the rushing's been there. You love seeing that out of Cam Newton. So, I, I don't know. I, just, I don't know if I want to mess with this Saints defense at home, you know, in a, in a division matchup. It was one of the reasons that – Last week, I was really interested in Jared Goff because he was one of the afternoon slate guys that didn't have a division matchup. It was like one of these, one of these, um, you know, one of these uh, matchups where it was like for, uh, from a different, whole, whole, whole different, not a whole different I conference, it, but wasn't it Arizona? I thought it was in Arizona. No, last week, just versus oh. a whole different division. It was uh, this week. It's Arizona. Last week, it was um, it was the New Orleans Saints. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, and then also in week three at home versus New Orleans, Cam Newton with probably his worst game of the, yeah, his worst game of the season, 11.28 points. So I don't know. I, I'm not sold on Cam this week. And when he's the second highest priced QB on the slate, when I have all those question marks, I'm just, he's not going to get a whole lot of interest from me. I think in the afternoon slate, I'm basically going to be all in on Phillip Rivers. Okay. The next question that, um, <clears throat> confronted me was which of the which cheap running back am I going to roll with in the afternoon slate? Which of the sub five thousand dollar running backs am I interested in rolling with in that small afternoon slate, the four game slate? Well, I mean, you got to give consideration. Uh, well, here's the thing: this brings up to an, another interesting question. What are you going to do with the fucking Raiders? What are you going to do? I mean- I think yeah, there's a lot of interest in the Raiders. You got to consider Marshawn Lynch is one of the sub five thousand dollar guys. Yeah, you, well, he, you might well, have he's to. The fir- he's the first one I thought about when he brought up this this sub five k range, because whenever you did, I thought, okay, what did what did we see last week? Whenever everything went to crap, and there is no Michael Marshawn Crabtree, Lynch got thirty touches, and there, last and there week. is no Amari Cooper. And what are you gonna what are you gonna do? We kind of saw, and that was versus Denver. He got twenty what twenty nine touches, twenty six rushing attempts. If I can get something like that out of Marshawn Lynch at home versus the New York Giants, I how mean, sure how are how sure are you gonna, that they're gonna give Beast Mode that kind of volume back? Who else to are they games? gonna give? Who else are they gonna give that? Volume well, it could to? be a trap. I certainly think that it could be a sneaky play with Richard or Washington. Uh, uh, in that situation, anytime you like one guy, it can always be the other guy. Not and always, but in in, in cases like this, uh, that's in certainly PPR, true. it certainly could be a thirty eight hundred dollar DeAndre Washington. I, it's it's going to have to be a consideration. That's why I raised this question: which of the the cheaper guys? Because on the surface, this is like one of the times we're going to be most excited about. You know what, Marshawn G- Lynch? No, dude, this is Geno Smith. Geno Smith. I I heard a stat earlier from I think it was Scott Barrett from PFF tweeted I forgot who tweeted it out I think it was Scott hope I'm giving credit to the right guy but Geno Smith's sack rate he basically gets sacked once every I think it was once every eleven points either once point every eleven point two or every twelve point one dropbacks something so if it absolute, turns into a blowout ridiculous. If it's a blowout, it's a beast mode. If it is a, and, and here's the thing: if it's a, if if it's a sack fumble, or it's a, you know, you get put in a, you get put in a great position as an offense because of, 
you know, how bad, how long Geno Smith holds the football. It's like last week with Joe Mixon, right? We knew that Deshaun Kaiser was going to put the Cincinnati Bengals in good situations, in scoring position. So you get the vault, you get the baked in volume that you knew was coming with Joe Mixon. You get the fact that you're going up against a mistake prone quarterback that can put you in scoring position very, very easily with a few simple mistakes. I'm, I'm, I'm talking myself more and more into Mark Sean Lynch as the podcast goes on. And, he was somebody that, to be honest, before we even before we even uh, got on this pod, I hadn't thought that much about him. My thoughts were uh, going mainly to Kenyon Drake and Jamal Williams as far as pay down options. Let me look and see where we have the ownership projected on Beast Mode because he is uh, a favorite of our analytics to be on the cheat sheet. So we should have the we have him at sub sub seven and a half or no between seven and ten percent ownership. He's going to be probably not even top 15 as far as ownership on DraftKings. This, this is why I like breaking up the slate. It helps bring some of these sneaky guys into focus that you might, when you're trying to digest so many players on the huge slate, that it, it's easy to become a little bit speed blind too. And Marshawn Lynch, certainly one of the guys that's going to be in consideration is the cheap running backs you're going to be forced to roll with in this slate. Uh, Alex, well, let me ask you, I mean, if you're going to me, anytime you're thinking about Phillip Rivers right now, I got to be thinking about Austin Eckler and DraftKings. What do you? I can't believe you just said that. You're turning into a fucking trash man, dude. <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say anytime. Anytime you're thinking about Philip Rivers, you got to be thinking about. I thought you were gonna say naturally Keenan Allen. No, Austin Eckler's been the man. He's the man. He's the man, especially in these <laughs> in these Chargers blowouts. Yeah, I love him in PPR. He's what is he? He's forty two hundred bucks again this week. I guess I'm just—I don't know, man. I just—I'm not, I'm not interested in Austin Eckler. Have you not been paying close enough attention to Austin Eckler? I've been paying plenty close attention to Austin Eckler. I'm a fantasy football analyst for my career, just like you are. I'm not—I'm not excited about getting Austin Eckler into into my lineups. I feel like—I mean, the touches haven't the- against the Cleveland Browns in a potential blowout. Because what happened was in the blowout against the Bills, Eckler came in and got so much garbage. He got like garbage time. He only he, uh, he only got he only had eight touches against the Bills. Yeah, two 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 receptions on two targets and six rushing attempts. Was there a touchdown in there? Yeah, that's on, the, that's the on six that's the, on six attempts. That's he the had, way things he have been. Had, he had he had nine touches in week twelve. He had eight touches in week eleven. He had 15 touches versus Jacksonville. Um, you know, he had three touches the week before at New England. I know it's just been a kind of these last three weeks. He has got you double-digit points in in uh, in PPR, but you just have to remember that in uh, I believe he scored. He's had two touchdowns in, in those three weeks. He scored three touchdowns, and in those three weeks, he's had a grand total of 15. Eight, nine. He's had a grand total of third of thirty-two touches. He's averaging just ten point six six touches per game in those games, and he's averaging a touchdown per game. I don't think that Austin Eckler is a guy that's going to give me a touchdown every ten point six six touches. Yeah, but the calculations that you've run show that Austin Eckler is one of the highest on the week at forty percent three times this week's value. Forty percent. Let me pull that up. Um, he's gone three x forty percent of the time versus this week's value. Let's see. Uh, forty two hundred. So to get to three x, you would need the twelve point six. Yeah, I mean, going back, he's had a thirteen point eight pointer. 
He's had the 14.4 pointer. He's had a 27.9 pointer, another 13.8 pointer, and a 10 pointer. The games he skunked you, he has had a 3.8 pointer, a 1.6 pointer, a 5.8 pointer, and a 1.9 pointer. So I don't know, man. I think that, yeah, even going back to the beginning of this season, he was, it looks like even in week four versus Philly, he had a decent game, but that was due to a touchdown. The next decent game he had was in week seven uh, versus the Denver Broncos. There was no, was there a touchdown in that game? No, it doesn't look like there was a touchdown, but that was buoyed by a four, uh, by a four reception floor. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm I'm not in on Austin Eckler. I'm not in on on Melvin Gordon either. I'm I'm in on Keenan Allen. It looks like he's playing at the you know at the highest level that we've seen so far in his career. And a lot of people are going to be off of him because they're going to be worried about the uh, Jason McCourty treatment of the Cleveland Browns. But what they don't realize is that Jason McCourty has only moved into the slot this year for six snaps. He doesn't he he doesn't go into the slot. So. Um, I think that the matchup there out of the slot for Keenan Allen is going to be tremendous. And he's, I mean, if I'm getting in Phillip Rivers, my first thought is not Austin Eckler. It's not Melvin Gordon. It is Keenan Allen and it is Hunter Henry. Who yeah, I, I think you can, love. you can always get a sneaky Phillip Rivers lineup with a Hunter Henry and, and potentially an Eckler if you're trying to mix things up. Well, let me ask you then right there in that same lineup at $4,800 on the opposite, opposite side of that affair. What about Duke Johnson? He's another one of these sub $5,000 running backs. We're going to have to be shuffling between in the afternoon slate. We're deciding between Duke Johnson, Marshawn Lynch, Austin Eckler. What do you think about Johnson? Are you coming away with this thinking that Marshawn Lynch is the guy? If I stack up, Philip Rivers with Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry, which I might do on this short slate. There's no way I'm not bringing it back with 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 Duke Johnson. So, so that's a huge huge question on this slate. It's which of the cheap running backs is it going to be? Sounds like right now we're going to be most interested in Duke Johnson and Marshawn Lynch. So what we're telling you is we're basically all in on Philip. At least Alex is basically all in on Philip Rivers. We're going to have a sneaky pivot there with Jared Goff on the cheat sheet if you're looking to shake things up. But if you got Rivers, you're going yeah, to want to Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said all in. I'm, I'm, I have interest in Goff because even though I wasn't interested before I saw the Orientalytics come in this morning, once, I mean, I always, I love Goff. I love McVay. You know, I mean, if, if our analytics are telling us that we should play Goff, I'm going to play him some. I'm going to play him some. I'm not going to say 100% Rivers. I'm going to play some Goff. Okay, but as as we kind of try to you know focus this thing in, we're, we've got a lot of interest in. We're not we're not overly interested in trying to fade Philip Rivers, who looks like he's going to be the chalk in the afternoon slate. Pretty intuitively, that's going to lead us towards a Duke Johnson as one of those cheaper running backs that we're interested in. Marshawn Lynch, this is the most interested in PPR we've been in him all season with a potential. Sneaky pivot uh, to DeAndre Washington at $3,800 if you're trying to do something kind of cockamamie. And I have some interest in shaking things up with my Phillip Rivers lineups, potentially with an Austin uh, Eckler there. Um, Alex, let me ask you, let's stick with the running backs. You touched on this earlier. I mean, do we have to keep rolling with Alvin Kamara? He's the most expensive no. running back in the – I mean, no. no we. It's too expensive. What are we gonna? We're gonna pay up eighty four hundred dollars for a guy who splits his backfield duties and gets thirteen touches a game. I mean, well, I, I, asked, I, I I know he's been I know he's been super I know he's been super efficient. What is his fantasy points per touch? It's one he gets he's getting one point two five fantasy points per touch right now in standard seven yards that, seven yards a carry. 
Yeah, I mean, that's more than. Do you know who's in? It's in second place on just completely limited volume on this slate. Your boy Austin Eckler, who is another guy who I don't trust this week. Uh, behind him, Duke Johnson, who gets a limited number of touches per game as well, and only averaging nine point two seven touches. Um, and that's he's only like, dude. Guys like Leonard Fournette are literally getting half of what Alvin Kamara gets on a per-touch basis. Lamar Miller, less than half. I mean, Jarek McKinnon, who's been pretty suitable this year, gets less than half of what Alvin Kamara gets. I just... Uh, you think the bottom's going to fall out this week? I don't think... I don't the, know. Is I, it a I, bubble I, that will I hope burst? Not. I, have a, I have a ton of really important season-long leagues where i got to get some buys. So I hope the bottom doesn't fall out, but we live within the constraints of a salary cap in DFS, and I cannot pay... $8,400 for Alvin Kamara unless I'm trying desperately to have a greatly differentiated lineup. And to be honest, let me just pull up what pull up the spreadsheet and see where our ownership projections are on Kamara. And they're still at 17%. 15 to 17%. I mean, it's, he's, he's going to be higher owned than Gurley. No. No. Well, I'll ask you. Kamara at 8.4K is going to be higher owned than Todd Gurley at 8.2K, who's getting literally double the touches. I just, no thank you. Well, I'll ask you like I asked you last week, how scared are you to fade the Saints running backs? Scared? <laughs> how can you not be? How can you not be scared yeah. to fade them? But I'm going to. I get it. I get it. Last week was a scary proposition, and Alvin Kamara. I can't believe one of you. I can't believe that one of you know. Getting back to that Cleveland game, were you, were you going to get on to the wide receivers, or was that another one of your questions? Was that another one of your kind of well, uh, forks I mean, in the I'm, road? I'm not, not. Yeah, it wasn't one of my forks in the. I mean, I, I, actually, a little bit is it. Let Let me get to my next one. I think it's going to be a natural segue. How All about right. that? Let's just get to it right now. The the. Next set of questions that are wide receiver related that you are confronted with in the four-game PM slate is which Rams wide receivers do you want, which Browns wide receivers do you want, and which Raiders wide receivers do you want? So you want to which one do you want to start with there, Alex? Well, I, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. We can start with the Rams, I guess, uh, with those guys. We need to keep an eye on Josh Reynolds, his practice availability. I believe he missed Thursday practice. So let's actually look right now and see if there's any update from him. I'll just go to like jo Josh Reynolds, a 79% snap count in week 12. Sean McVay has come out and said that Robert Woods looks like he'll be out at least another week or two. Uh, I say Josh Reynolds, if if he's healthy, this is a spot where you keep on I'm going playing. to smash him into my lineups if he's healthy. I mean, I'm going to mash him in because here's the thing, man. It's the same thing, same thing we've said. It hasn't failed yet. Look, look who's going to be on Patrick Peterson, which is going to be Sammy Watkins, and get the guy opposite of him. And just do it, especially if it's a guy who we have intelligence on as being very sick. And last week we had intelligence on D.D. Westbrook. We've seen him. We know him. We're roster watch. We're the experts and in this shit. Like, Josh here's the Ren thing about Josh Reynolds. We've done more work on this asshole than anybody. <laughs> anybody else. I mean, we've, like, Josh Reynolds, like... Josh Reynolds might look across a football field 
And notice his boys from, from Roster Watch. That's how much we were poking around his, his NFL draft process. You know? We go it's to Rams true. camp. He's going to be like, why are the assholes from Roster Watch here? So we know that he's a great player. We know that he's going to be, you know, not, he's a great prospect. We know, he's going, we know he's going to be a great player. He's getting the opportunity right now. He's getting the snaps. He's getting the targets. If he is in this beautiful spot against that Arizona defense that can't guard a goddamn thing opposite Patrick Peterson, give me all of him. I want him in every lineup if, if, if he's healthy. Cooper Cup, of another guy, a golden son of Roster Watch Nation. But two two senior bowl sons of roster two Watch senior Nation. bowl sons from this very last year, but he's sixty four hundred now because he's sick. Can you believe that Cooper Cup's sixty four hundred now? Yes, we, we, he is we a got, sick, we got too sick. sick man. He's a freak, dude. We told everybody that you guys just because he's white are not going to think that he's a, a, a just a, a freak, and he's a freak, dude. He's a freak. He showed it. He's proved roster watch right at every turn. He, I mean. I know he's had a couple of a couple of drops that I thought were just inexplicable for him, you know, just because he doesn't drop anything. But other than that, dude, he's been awesome, and he's Jared Goff's favorite option. Here's the thing: he's sixty four hundred. If I can get Josh Reynolds in such a beautiful spot for thirty seven hundred, I'm gonna get him in there. You know, I'm gonna get him in there, dude. I'm with you on that, man. It's not. It's it's not difficult for me to imagine Josh Reynolds. It doesn't feel like a stretch at all to imagine Josh Reynolds with like 94 yards and two touchdowns. On seven catches. I mean, it, it, it doesn't feel like a stretch at all. Maybe the two touchdowns, but, I mean, he's already got in the box once. I mean, he got in the box last week. I, I mean, look, if he's healthy, I'm, I'm, I'm getting in Josh Reynolds. And, and we can't get him on the cheat sheets because it's just, you know, the analytics the – analytics, I don't know. I'll have to look at the analytics and see if they allow it. He might be another one that I just got to push onto there if he's healthy. But generally, Mike Band won't get these guys on if they're questionable coming into it. Let's see what his number of trends you – know, his trends aren't any good. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get him on the cheat sheet. So you guys listening to this pod, yeah, we definitely can't get him on the cheat sheet. Minus six on his trends. How is his trends that low? At 3,500. 3,500? Is he 3,500 or 37? Reynolds, Josh Reynolds, thirty five hundred. Jesus, I mean, I don't care what the trends dat- database says. We're not going to be able to get him on the cheat sheet, but that's why you listen to this podcast. In addition to the cheat sheet and all of the other tools at rosterwatch.com. Well, sometimes you got to go off the reservation in this world, man. Yeah. Uh, so now let, let's talk te- about let's, the, let's, no, let's tease the anaconda because everybody wants to hear about that. Okay, let's so just, the real Cle- quick, Cleveland Browns. No, real real quick. What about what about the Raiders wide receivers before we get to to Josh Gordon? Oh, okay. Which um, Raiders wide receiver are you interested in? Man, I saw that you were interested in, in Seth Roberts, and he's the one I'm not interested in because the one matchup I don't like. Now that Jan- it looks like Jan- Janoris Jenkins is out, right? Yes. Okay, so I don't want uh, DRC, so I don't want Seth Roberts out of the slot. I want Cordell Patterson, or I want Johnny Holton. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Um, I think if I'm going to be picking one, I'm going to go with Cordero just because he's Cordero because he is sick. He's um, it seems like he's a guy who they uh, who they got. uh, They didn't trade for. I guess they got out of free agency because they had some sort of plan for him. I feel like this is going to be a game where they're going to have to spend the week figuring out ways to maybe get the ball in his hands a little bit more often. 
Um, but I think that I think that Johnny Holton is a fine option too. I noticed on the snap counts, touches, and targets database from last week, available to our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. Just let me pull it up and see how those snaps looked after these guys went out last week. But I think that Holton had more snaps. No, Seth Roberts led the team in snaps. Well, I'm, t- I'm talking about between I'm talking about of the two guys who I'm interested in. I'm not interested in Seth Roberts. Um, I'm talking about of the two which had more. Holton, 68%. Cordero Patterson, 40, 54%. Four targets, three touches for Cordero Patterson. And only two like two targets, targets for Holton. Yeah, only I mean, two, Holt, Holt only is two the targets low. for Seth Roberts, right? Uh, Seth Roberts was three targets, two touches. So the Holton has the, been the big play guy, the low-volume big play guy, but he's certainly been productive in spots this year. I mean, all of their pricing is cheap, so I'm interested in actually – in all of them, uh, Cordero Patterson at thirty four hundred. They've we saw it at training camp. I mean, they were dead set. It's weird because he really shouldn't be any higher than like wide receiver five on the depth chart in terms of just wide receiver prowess. But they were dead set on manufacturing touches in this offense for their their new shiny toy in Patterson. They've done it. They've forced more balls to him in the receiving game than I expected. Uh, this season and and you know what he's he's paid off some dividends he's been he's been the guy I think most people he's the guy most people are going to be looking at uh, for for good reason at $3,400 Alex makes a good point about Seth Roberts with the matchup the only reason I go there with Seth Roberts is that Seth Roberts is second on the team only to Michael Crabtree in terms of security and safety blankets, reliability and comfortability with Derek Carr. He that that is I mean it, Seth Roberts is he likes him more than Amari Cooper. I mean Seth Robert he loves Seth Roberts. I talked to you about that after I left Raiders training camp and one thing you brought up was how many red zone targets Seth Roberts got last season. So for me I just kind of took that intelligence, the fact that that's a guy he's had a lot of good run with. That's a guy he's very, very comfortable with. And then I saw the 84% snap count this last week, and I said, okay, well, you know, it's a really tough call. They're all super cheap. I'm interested in all of them. But, you know, Roberts is uh, – he he got the snaps, and I know Derek Carr likes him. Alex brings up a good point, you know, against DRC. If you're cockamamie, it might be worth having a lineup with each of those guys. Yeah, just if you have multiple line- – I mean, I'm going to mix and match them. I'm going to have multiple lineups. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to try a bunch of these different uh permutations with those guys. As far as the um as far as the Cleveland Browns, what do you think? Are you going to get in the Black Anaconda, Josh Gordon, the most the most beastly and slithering asphyxiating son of all of Roster Watch Nation this week? Or are you scared that um Along with the uh, thrills of Anaconda ownership also comes the fact that you could possibly get asphyxiated and eaten yourself. You think Hayward will be shadowing him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you think he'll be on Corey Coleman? I don't know. I mean, Coleman is the safe play at $4,300. He's so cheap, but the upside hasn't really been there. You wonder, though, with the tension on Gordon and possibly with the Browns playing from behind in catch-up mode, I think it's a a safe spot for Coleman. If I have to choose gun to head, I probably got to put Coleman in at $4,300. I just, I mean, Uh, it's just Josh Gordon. You you know I'll have a Josh Gordon lineup. How can you not? 
Because whenever he goes off, you're going to feel sick to your stomach. You're going to say, it's Josh Gordon. What the fuck was I thinking? He was 4,100. Well, if you've got, you know? you got one important lineup, you got to put in this week to make some cash money in. And, I mean, if you get gunned ahead, are you picking Gordon over Coleman? I don't know. I think that, I think that Casey Hayward is going to be on Josh Gordon. Um, I'm looking right now at Pro Football Focus. Jeff Ratcliffe has Casey Hayward shadowing Corey Coleman. So that would put Josh Gordon on the other. What's the other? That, that, see, the Chargers' other corners turned out to be awesome too. Um, Trevor Williams. So that would be on, like both of these guys are real good. Um, I. I I don't know if it's the I, I I don't know if it's the week, man. Um, I don't know if this is the, this is the week for. I'm not sure it's the week for either of them, but the one that I am going to get in is going to be Josh Gordon. <laughs> Just because even though I don't think it's the week, I'm still going to get him in because he's Josh Gordon. I'm not going to be getting Corey Coleman in. Well, it's the side of the fence that players are going to need to decide which Yo, oh, side they I, want to I'm get on in the on. the Josh Gordon side of the fence. With that being said, I'm not that high on Josh Gordon, as weird as that is to say, because he honestly could go. I mean, it's Josh Gordon. He just hadn't played since, since 2014. We saw even the best play, like, even the best play, Le'Veon Bell, you know, whenever he came back this year, off of this, off of this, was it the suspension or what? What was it that Le'Veon missed this year? The holdout. Like, even when you get done with that stuff, even when you've been working out on your own, like, with high-level training with NFL types and stuff, I just think it's different getting back on an actual NFL field. I think it takes you a little while to acclimate. We know that Josh Gordon's the anaconda man. Like, he could just slither right back to dominance. I just – I'm not – I don't think it's a slam dunk. I'm not all in on the guy. I'm, I'm going to – like you said, I'm going to have to have some of him because I would hate myself if I didn't. If, if I'm playing at five – you know, five – Five high dollar kind of uh, lower um, lower um, number of participant tournaments. I might have him in like one out of those five, but probably for like all the low. If I play in, you know, I'll probably max out my entries in the uh, like in the three and the five dollar tournaments. I'll get I'll get I'll get a ton of Josh Gordon lineups in in those because I'm not going to be the guy, dude. I'm not going to be the guy that gets that gets swindled whenever Josh Gordon goes big, just because of how much I love him. I'm just a little bit, I'm a little bit worried that he's not going to, you know, that he's not going to be right back up to, to right back up to full steam. And it's not like the quarterback situation and everything with that offense is just in perfect order for him to come right back in and slide back in as just a, you know, completely dominating weapon. So I, it's just, it's hard for me to know, man. Uh, I'm going to have some Gordon. Last thing I had on the afternoon slate before I got a boogie here is, Tight end and defenses are really sneaky and kind of a swindly, a little bit of a difficult, deeper group of sneaky tight ends and defenses to shuffle through in the afternoon slate. But I think this is where your tournaments can be differentiated. Well, for me at the tight end, uh, the afternoon slate, before even looking at it, let me look at it. But okay, yeah, so this thing starts and ends with me with two very easy options. One is Jared Cook, of course, who we didn't talk about. He could end up being the predominant option there, besides any of these wide receivers or running backs. We know what the New York Giants have allowed this year. 
two tight ends. If you just would have started the starting tight end versus the New York Giants and every week this season outside of Thanksgiving with Vernon Davis, uh, you could have printed cash just without even knowing the name of the tight end, just saying, who you know, give me the tight end for the team that's playing the New York Giants. That would have been an effective strategy this whole time. So clearly a great matchup versus the 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 uh, the uh, Giants there and in a very similar situation. If you would have done the same thing against Cleveland um, this whole entire season without knowing who the player was, just slotting him in, it hits every single week. Hunter Henry is in that spot this week. So for me, it is very simple, very cut and dried. 5,400 Jared Cook, 4,700 Hunter Henry. Those are the two players that I will be getting into my DFS contests in the afternoon slate with maybe a little bit of interest in Ricky Seals-Jones uh, going up against the uh, Rams. It seems like he has a good connection with Blaine Gabbert. And it also is a baby game for Ricky Seals-Jones. I believe uh, welcomed his firstborn son into the world maybe yesterday. So, Also, no, Jared Cook, Hunter Henry, their pricing is similar. And, and, then you got... and, and Ricky Seals-Jones going against his old uh, – another guy thrust into the spotlight – uh, against his old te- Texas A&M teammate, uh, Josh Reynolds, who will be thrust into the spotlight as well. Narratives abound there with uh, Ricky Seals-Jones. So maybe maybe somebody I would consider at 3,200. But for me, Jared Cook, Hunter Henry, both slam dunks. All right. Well, Jared Cook, Hunter Henry, both around 5,000. Which of those two do you want if you got to take one? Jared Cook. You don't, And you don't think Evan Ingram is at all in a sneaky spot this week with maybe nobody thinking about him because of Geno Smith? Yeah. Could he get a lot of targets? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> he could. Gino could come in there and just Gino could come in there and just pepper. He could throw for 300 yards, Evan man. Ingram. He really could. I think it's sneaky. I'm going to want to watch the ownership percentages. I'm going to want to see what Vegas says tomorrow. At some point you got to take a stand, you know, and you can't get in all these guys or else you're just going to spread yourself too thin and not make any cash. So for me, I just for me it's been so easy all year. It's been so money. Get the tight end versus the Giants. Get the tight end versus the Browns. These are both tight ends who I love anyway. So, I mean, for me, it's going to be Jared Cook. It's going to be Hunter Henry. Well, those are those are fantastic notes. And then I guess last but not least, a lot of people will be on that Chargers defense, but I think there's a, plenty of other sneaky options in here, Alex. Is there anybody else you're looking at? I know the Raiders is a defense that was on the waiver wire cheat sheet that Las Vegas actually has some interest in this week. Yeah, and, and you know the Raiders finally came to life last week. I think that they they um, what did they? I think they had they like what they got the first interception of the season, got like four or five sacks. So I mean, if there's a, you know they're getting they're getting right. What did they put up last week in fantasy as far as their fantasy points? Eight fantasy points. Yeah, but look, five sacks and a pick last week. So. Um, Definitely coming back to life there with those guys. I think it's probably an okay option. Maybe I just I don't think you could play the Giants. What I mean, about the Rams? I'm I'm playing the Chargers. <laughs> like I'm gonna I'm just gonna differentiate elsewhere, man. I'm gonna find so other we're, ways we're to all, differentiate. We're all we're basically we're essentially we're gonna be heavily exposed to Philip Rivers and to the Chargers defense in the afternoon slate. Yeah, and and likely across the. Entire slate, likely have across the entire good. slate. And so, what you guys can do is take this information, um, make sure to use it in uh, in conjunction with the DFS cheat sheets at rosterwatch.com, the hyper DFS lineup generator rosterwatch.com. Of course, the Vegas 
the Vegas tool, which is the props cheat sheet that we try and get up for our users before anybody else in the entire industry. So you can have uh, you can have a good long time to take in and uh, let marinate what Vegas thinks about these plays and give you a little bit of confirmation in your initial thoughts. You can find all this at rosterwatch.com with a pro membership. Another reminder, um, if you like the pod, you want us to keep doing these DFS podcasts, if you think it's cool, please let us know in the comments section uh, there in iTunes. Also, give us a five-star rating and review. It's because of your comments and because of your encouragement that it leads us in these new and different directions. But if you like it, you, ha you have to let us know or else we don't know how to keep doing it. So uh, go there in iTunes. Please give the podcast a five-star review and a good rating. Byron, anything else before we head out of here? Nah, man, but that was a real helpful talk for me. So I'll look forward to digesting a lot of this and uh, heading towards the uh, tomorrow night show where we're going to have the talented Mr. Roto. The biggest week of the season, so we've got the biggest name in the, the big, business the, for you guys. The, the biggest fish in the fantasy football sea, the talented Mr. Roto. Matthew Berry joins Roster Watch on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio from Saturday night, uh, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. He will be on. You can also catch us, as always, for the game day edition, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio that will get us out of here for now please guys five star rating good review on itunes go to rosterwatch.com get a pro membership we are going to take care of you through the entire offseason to make sure that you are a fantasy football winner don't ever be a fantasy football loser again get a pro membership at rosterwatch so for byron lambert for the trash man for the robot genius and all of roster watch nation my name is alex dunlap this has been the roster watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com we will see you next time <laughs>